Hey, we're going to finish up Jeremiah 52 tonight and uh, finish up Jeremiah and we'll be starting on Lamentations next week. As we look at Jeremiah 52, <clears throat> Jeremiah is going to give us um, like the closing words. So there are, there are a lot of scholars out there that uh, question whether or not Jer this was something Jeremiah wrote or a scribe did later. But when we look at it, what we see is it's all familiar prophecy. It's all prophecy that you've heard before. It's all discussing the fall of Jerusalem. But uh, it's, it is orchestrated in a way to make us look a little bit deeper. It's not just about the facts, okay? Sometimes when we study the Bible, we just get so focused on um, the literalness and the literal fulfillment and all the events that take place, and we miss the point. You ever known people to miss the point, you know, like um, of something going on? What, why? What's he, why is he telling us this? He's told us this. We've read these prophecies before. Why at the end of the book is he saying, okay, here's the fall of Jerusalem. Here is all of these things that took place. And here's what happens to Jehoiakim after what happens to Zedekiah. And as we look at it, um, hopefully we'll be able to pull out those ideas for you. So you don't just see it as another rehashing. Let's look at it. So we start with spiritual condition. He opens with spiritual condition. We read the Bible, right? And we understand that what the Bible is telling us about mankind and, and a microcosm of that is Israel. But what the Bible is telling us about mankind is that mankind is separated from God. That, that man was created by God and there was a fall. Man fell, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 6, the fallen angels corrupt man. You have the corruption of man. And then you have Genesis 11, the rebellion of man. Man organized together in solidarity and rebellion against God. And then Genesis 12, the story of how God redeems man. And that story weaves its way through Israel. And you see Israel as a little microcosm of that exact story, right? That Israel is, is brought together by God, a nation to follow God, has prophets, has priests, through whom is going to come Messiah, uh, which will be the answer for what we see, the condition of man repeating itself. If we look at history, we're living it right now. Turn on the news. I dare you. And then find your Christmas joy. Good luck. We are seeing exactly what man does. If we just ignore everything else going on in the world, just forget about all that stuff for a minute. Let's just talk about our nation and the choices our nation is making. We watch our nation put together a COVID relief bill. Beautifully written if you wanna do gender studies in Pakistan. However, the purpose for which it's designed is not $600 per American. I don't know how many trillion, billion dollar bill it is. And we look at it and we say, how'd this happen? 
I mean, the goal, they start off, right? The goal is we want to try to bring relief, and the result is just a cacophony of nonsense. And we can all climb up on our soapbox and take a political moment and say it's these guys' fault or those guys' fault, but the reality is everybody voted for this thing. The group of people who didn't vote for it is very small. It passed in overwhelming, it passed with such overwhelming numbers that when what is expected, President Trump vetoes the bill, they have enough votes, if everybody votes for it again, to overturn the veto. Now, I'm not talking about politics. Here's what I want you to see. This is what man does. Man in his rebellion, corruption, and sinfulness against God always winds into the exact same corruption. Whether it's the United States or Rome or Britain, we go back into the ancient nations, we talk about Rome, we talk about uh, <clears throat> uh, Greece, we talk about Medo-Persia, we talk about Babylon, we talk about Assyria, and we talk about Egypt. And, and the point is, every one of them does the exact same thing. Right, you start off the point of nobody. Nobody begins their journey saying, "Hey, we're going to just become a wretched civilization." But that's where we end up. And then what happens is a rebellion comes. Right? Oh, Egypt's Egypt's got it all, but they're kind of messed up. So Assyria says, "We're going to take it all." And then Assyria has it all, and they say, people say, "Well, Assyria's kind of messed up, so Babylon's going to take it all." And then Babylon comes along and they've got it all, but Babylon's kind of messed up. So here comes the Greek empire. And then the Greek empire, oh my goodness, this is so great, but they're not so good. And here comes the Roman empire. And I don't even care. Just keep going. Ottoman empire. It doesn't matter. History. History teaches us that the dream that God gave Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel is true. That one kingdom leads to another kingdom leads to another kingdom leads to an abject failure of man to rule himself. <laughs> so we see the dream, head of gold, chest of silver, right? Each one degrading, each one moving down, but none lasting, none are eternal until the kingdom of God comes from heaven, destroys the kingdom of men, and it becomes the everlasting kingdom. We are living these things out. To the Bible, whether you read the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Revelation, it's the same story. The corruption of man, the rebellion of man leading to the destruction of man's kingdoms in the hope looking for the return of the great king. That's the story. And in this rebellion or corruption of man, we, we read it in the first three verses of 52. Look at it. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Bible says he, he lived out his rebellion. He rebelled against. Now, here's the point, guys, that we are we Zedekiah was a king of Israel. So the role of the king was to take the word of God and make his own personal copy of it, which would require him to do what? Read it. 
Read it and write it. Then do you know what God, how God wants you to live? Yeah, basically we have an understanding of the, of the things that God wants and the things that God doesn't want. But the point was the kings wouldn't do that. The kings rebelled. The kings don't want to follow God's precepts or his ideals. And so they rebel against that and the spiral begins. It begins with rebellion against God and it ends in man's destruction of himself by man under God's decree of judgment because the kingdoms of men that reject God fail over and over again until the kingdom of God rules and reigns. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. So he followed the examples of those who had failed before him. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence, and Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Now the rebellion was not just against God. Man rebels against man all the time. Yes? For sure. We, we could not be more, our nation could not be more... Um, schismodified there i just spoke a greek word into jackie jackie english we're as divided as you possibly can be with no seemingly way to bridge that gap the lines are getting deeper and further apart we are divided and we rebel against one another just as we see Zedekiah do. It says, in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege work all around it. So the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. So from the ninth year to the eleventh year, two years of siege. Two years we don't let food in. Two years you can't get out. Two years uh, being locked in your house. Wait a minute. Two years not being able to go anywhere. So they find themselves laid siege against, and they built siege works all around it. Now on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city there was no food for the people. So they run out of food on the ninth day of the fourth month. And a breach was made in the city, and the men of war fled and went out from the city by night, by the way of the gate between the two walls, by the king's garden, and the Chaldeans around the city, and they went in the direction of Arabah. So what happens, the siege goes for two years. At the, at the, at the end of the second year, ninth month, <clears throat> um, fourth month, uh, ninth day, the siege is broken. People escape. One of those is Zedekiah. He runs. He runs away from his, his own rebellion. There's a scattering while Babylon takes over the city. It says, but the armies of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And all his army was scattered from him. He's alone. And they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah at the land of Hamath. And he passed sentence on him. And the king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and also slaughtered all the leaders, all the officials of Judah at Riblah, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him in chains, 
And the king of Babylon took him to Babylon and put him in prison uh, till the day of his death. So this is a story of contrast. Zedekiah does what is evil in the eyes of the Lord, rebels against the Lord, rebels against people, and against the leadership in the world. And the end result is um, that he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. And so if you live by rebellion, you'll die in that rebellion. And the prophecy that Jeremiah gave about Zedekiah is, look, he told him, just surrender and you can live. Just surrender. But here is the problem with man. Man has a hard time surrendering to the truth that God says about man. As soon as I tell a guy, you know, Bible says you're a wretch, that you're separated from God, that there's no end to the evil you're capable of doing. I can't tell you how many people will say, oh, no, not me. I would never do this or I would never do that. Those people over there, they're, they're bad. But me? Well, those drug addicts, they're, those are bad people, but not me. The point of this story tonight, Zedekiah is bad and so is Jehoiakim and so is Israel and so are you and so am I. And if we can hear what the word of the Lord says, that I am a sinner separated from God and I can acknowledge my sin and bow the knee before a holy God, then he will lift me up. But that takes humility and our pride bucks against that. No, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about, Jackie. I'm a good person. I do good things. Amen. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But you're still a broken wretch like me. And the only thing that separates you from sin of equal or greater value than mine is the opportunity. And when it comes... You could take it just like anyone else, but by the grace of God. It is the grace of God that enables you and I to stand. God's grace, it says this. I, not, it's not, God doesn't say, hey, you're a wretch, you're a sinner, and uh, neener, 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 I want to stand over you and wag my finger. God says, you're a sinner, you're broken. I'd like for you to admit who you are to me and know that I love you anyway that when you were yet a sinner Christ says I died for you you didn't ask me to I give it so that if you would ever reach a point of humility and bow the knee I will lift you up and so the story over and over again we read these stories and we see destruction and we see judgment and we see all these things happening and but there's one thing we don't see in it what is it we don't see over and over and over book of revelation repeats this phrase multiple times through that period of judgment in the book of revelation and still men would not repent still man wouldn't bow his knee before god and say i am just what you say I am. 
The Bible declares that the heart of man is wicked above all things. The heart of mankind. That's all of us, right? Just like anybody else. Our hearts are, are wicked. But what is it that God says? God says, no, your heart is wicked, but I know you're separated from me. I know you can't pay what I owe. I know you can't do what I'm asking you to do. So I have provided a way. If a man will humble himself before God, God will raise him up. He says, I raise up kings and bring down kingdoms, right? And so we have these stories laid out for us. Here's man, this spiral, the words of the prophets coming to the kings and saying, hey, just surrender and everyone can live. Nobody has to starve. Nothing has to end. Just surrender. Just surrender. Oh, maybe you think that's too simple. Well, in our nation, if the people making all the decisions would just surrender, you could accomplish what seems simple. Don't you accomplish it in your own home? Let's say you go home tonight and you have a bill that needs paid. Don't you figure out how to pay it? Do you do it without sending a bunch of money to Pakistan or Jordan or anywhere else unless you have it figured out? But man stands in his pride, shakes his fist at God, and keeps moving forward in his rebellion. And he ends up blind in prison forever. That's Zedekiah. Verse 12, it goes on. In the fifth month of the tenth day of the month, that was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard who served the king of Babylon, entered Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, and the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. Not, not one of them had to be burnt down. None of them had to be. Jeremiah sat, sat in front of Zedekiah and said, just stop rebelling and nothing will be burned. But he burned it all down. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem. So when the children of Israel returned to the land in the book of Nehemiah, in the book of Ezra, we're going to see the results of this destruction that took place in uh, Jerusalem. The burning of the temple, the breaking down of the walls, the destruction of the city. All of these things, exactly as Jeremiah said, they would take place. Uh, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive some of the poorest of the people. And the rest of the people who were left in the city, the deserters who had deserted, to the king of Babylon together with the rest of the artisans. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen. He left some behind. We, we know the story of what happened to them too, right? That rebellion didn't stop until they died. So you have the people going into exile, the poor being left behind. Verse 17, you see the loss of the treasures and the pillars of bronze that were in the house of the Lord and the stands 
and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord. The Chaldeans broke in pieces, carried all the bronze to Babylon. So they take everything that's worth anything out of the temple. All the bronze, all the silver, all the gold, everything that can be taken is going to be taken. They took away the pots, the shovels, the snuffers, the basins, the dishes, the incense, the vessels of bronze used in the temple service. Every time I read this, I see the Grinch that stole Christmas. Every single time I see the Grinch, right? You remember the Grinch? He stole everything. He took the tree, took the tinsel, he took the little balls hanging off the tree, he even took their Christmas goose and, and look, I don't know what all they ate. They, I don't rhyme. So it took all that stuff and that's what he's saying here. They're losing everything's being taken. Everything's going away. Everything's lost and none of it had to be lost, but it's lost because man in his pride will not bow the knee to God. And it, wh- how, many, how many times do we have to play this record? You say, well, the Bible just says the same thing over and over again. That's because we keep doing the same thing over and over again. You want to tell a new story, do something different. But what do we do? We rebel. We kick against the goads. We fight. And we find the same cycle repeated. You know how many times I sit down with people to talk about marriage and I have to say the same things? Well, how come I have to say the same things? Because we keep making the same mistakes. No, uh, my, my, the problems in my marriage are totally different. There's no marriage book that has ever been written that would describe what happens in my marriage. Wrong. <laughs> I'll break down all marriage problems in the exact same way. Pride. Lay down your pride. But he won't. But she won't. Same. Why do you think the Bible says God hates pride? How many marriages will be destroyed for the sake of pride? How many nations have been destroyed for the sake of pride? How many countries have been brought down for the sake of pride? We get to watch ours on the news every day. One more step closer to the edge until somebody jumps. Somebody's gonna. How long they lose everything, everything. I have seen it happen a hundred times, 200 times. Here's a sad, here's a sad story. Lori and me and maybe Jared and a couple other guys, we were going through the pantry. The pantry is like the no-fly zone. No, that's not what it is. Demilitarized zone. That's a DMZ. And every time somebody who's at church has something, they don't know where to put it, they put it in the pantry. And then the pantry, I don't know why it's called the pantry. It used to be a pantry. It's not a pantry anymore, but so the name sticks. So it fills up like crazy. And you clean it, and two weeks later, it's full again. So we're going through it, and we found a a picture book, right? Found a a book on one of the retreats, one of the marriage retreats we did. And so it was old, but it was the year we did the... The what was that skit you guys did? 
Yeah, Little People in Love Year. So, we, yeah, it's on YouTube. It has like 10 million hits. We probably would be millionaires, but nobody knows who to send the money to. So, so you, we did this skit. Anyways, we're looking through the, the book. And as we're looking through the book, I'm going, they're not married no more. They're not married no more. They're not married no more. I don't know how many. Let's, let's, we'll just say 10. 10 people that were at that retreat that aren't together anymore. And the same reason for all of them. It just comes down to people being proud. Both sides being proud and wanting to, wanting to not surrender. Nations fall, pride, pride, pride. Why does God tell us the same story? 66 books in the Bible. How many of them discuss judgment? Well, let's just go with 66, huh? And why? Because man don't want to lay down his pride. So we let our marriages fall apart. And we let our governments and our families and our... So the Lord tells us the story over and over and over again. Just like you do to your kids when you're trying to get them to pay attention. How many times have you said, clean up your room? Oh, not very many. I told Kathy, I'm, I'm just going to make a recording. When our kids were little, I'm going to make a recording of dad screaming in the morning, get up. So I didn't have to say it no more. But didn't matter. Didn't matter. Now my son's wife says she has to do it. So, Lo, he's your problem. You took him. <laughs> that was in the dowry. Man, if we don't understand that what God's calling us to, to do is to learn to stand in his grace, covered by his mercy, and just walk according to his ways, laying down our pride, just like these guys lose everything, that's what happens. Lose it all. So everything is taken out. Verse 21, as for the pillars, the height of one pillar is 18 cubits, circumference 12, its thickness four fingers, it was hollow, and the capital of the bronze, and the height of one was five cubits, a network of pomegranates. They took all the pomegranates, all the bronze were on the capital. The second pillar was the same with more pomegranates, or 96 pomegranates. He's just given this incredible list of all the things they lost in the fire. You have one of those in your life? We've had a couple. Hey, whatever happened to this? Uh, we lost that in the fire. Not that we really had a fire. We just were dumb. And we created our own period of destruction when we lost stuff. So they lost the bronze, the gold, the silver, the bowls that Solomon made. The beauty was all taken away. Then he talks about the captives, verse 24. The captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the second priest, the three keepers of the threshold. And from the city, he took an officer who had been in command of the men of war and seven men of the king's council who were found in the city. 
and the secretary, the commander of the army, mustered all the people of the land, 60 men of the people of the land who were found in the middle of the city. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them, brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and the king of Babylon struck them down. So it's anybody that was in leadership, anybody who had any role of leadership in Jerusalem, the king of Babylon killed them. Because rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft, and you shall not suffer a witch to live. And we think that's all about witches. But rebellion destroys. And our rebellion against God will destroy us. And the stuff around us, not because God is throwing magical laser beams down to zap us, otherwise we would be successful, but because we have chosen to rebel against him, we're walking a path that brings destruction. Destruction happens because we have rebelled against God. The reason why God can tell you destruction is going to come from the north if you choose this path is because he knows rebellion against him, who is life, leads to, that's how it comes. So the king struck them down. Verse 28, here's the number of the people that went with Nebuchadnezzar. He carried them away captive in the seventh year. 3,023 Judeans in the 18th year. This is going to cover all the captivities. <clears throat> in the 18th year, Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Israel 832. In the 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away 745 people. The total was 4,600. That's the number they give for captives. That's small, right? Where's everybody else? Now, verse 31, we, we look at the choice of rebellion and what it brings. And then you have Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim, he's not necessarily a good person. He's just as screwed up as the rest of us, right? I'm not trying to say Jehoiakim's a good guy. He wasn't a good guy. There's a curse from the Lord upon him that he would never be king again. Jehoiakim is just as guilty as Zedekiah. He's not less guilty. Bad things don't just happen to bad people. And there's no such thing as good people because we're all bad people. We are the, just opportunities. I put you in the right opportunity. You'd be surprised some of the things you may do. So here's Jehoiakim, the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month on the 25th day of the month, Evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, freed Jehoiakim. So Nebuchadnezzar's gone. This is his son. He frees Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him. And he gave him a seat above the seats of the kings that were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim took off his prison garments. And every day of his life, he dined at the king's table. And for his allowance, a regular allowance was given him by the king. So he took care of all his daily needs until the day of his death, as long as he lived. 
That is the grace of God. Did Jehoiakim do something great? Did he do something good? He was like such a good prisoner that they just rewarded him. No, what happened? He's a wretch just like Zedekiah. What happened? He got to stand in the grace of God. Did he do something to deserve it? No, that's why you call it grace. Grace is not something you deserve. It's something that God bestows. It's something that God gives. That same grace, listen, that same grace was available to Zedekiah. Why didn't Zedekiah have that grace? Because Zedekiah chose rebellion. What happened to Jehoiakim? Jehoiakim's in prison. He's just sitting in prison, rotting till the end of his days. Just like Zedekiah. Zedekiah's in the same prison. He's just blind now. But the grace of God settles on Jehoiakim just because the grace of God settled on him. And if you have had the grace of God settle on you, you know that feeling as well. That I am experiencing the goodness of God and I don't deserve it. And I haven't done anything to deserve it. But God meets my daily needs. God watches over me. He will keep me in this nation that is going down the toilet. And whether things get hard or not are irregardless. God is still my king and he will be with me through it all. No matter what. And not because I'm good. Not because I've made all the right choices. Not because I have no failures in my life. Despite all those things, Jesus Christ came to be our peace. So that whosoever would call on his name could stand in his grace. Whoever. Jeremiah gives us his final picture of the two kings, both bad, not one good, one bad, both dumb, both did dumb things, both rebelled against God, both were wretches. One, when faced with the choice to accept the goodness of God and submit to God's plan, chose rebellion. The other one, he got snatched up by the king, Nebuchadnezzar and thrown in prison after he reigned for three months. He didn't get a chance to do a dang thing. And he sat in prison and rotted until Nebuchadnezzar died. And evil Merodach comes on the scene. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, you want to eat at my table? Because we can enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's there for whoever will take it. Or whoever will bow the knee. Jesus Christ has made a way. They didn't have Jesus. You do. They didn't have the same way. They had to walk by faith in the hope of a future Messiah that they didn't see. You get to live by faith in a Messiah who's already been. So choose. Stand in the grace of God. Stop the rebellion.
it only leads to destruction. I have said before you this day, life and death. Choose life. Let's pray. Father, we lift this time to you. We thank you for the book of Jeremiah, the end of Jeremiah, and the things that you brought us through, God. We thank you that we're here, and uh, it's Christmas Eve tomorrow, and a great opportunity for us to celebrate the way that was given. For you declared, John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So God, as we celebrate the way, as we celebrate your time, as we remember we set this year apart, just to say, man, what an incredible gift God gave in the grace he poured out upon us. So God, I pray we would lift our eyes to you in praise and thanksgiving as we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.